Welcome to So You Want to Be a Leader, Really? A Defy Expectations podcast. I'm Vicki Hampson. And I'm Helen Honeysett. We're here to explore the highs and lows of leadership today with our guests. And help you navigate the complexity of being a leader from every aspect, from the sublime to the utterly ridiculous and everything in between. This week's guest is Lawrence and George. She helps companies and individuals navigate change, overcome those big, hairy challenges, and imagine bold solutions. Lauren, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. That's our pleasure. So before we dive in, we just want to let you know you can find out much more information about Lauren over on our website when you visit www.defyexpectations.co.uk for all of that great info. So. At Defy Expectations, we're all about leadership and most importantly, really great leadership. And we know that one of the roles of a leader is about driving progress. But we also know that as humans, we're not so big on change. Why do we fear change? And how do we overcome that fear, Lauren? That's a fantastic question and I'll give you my perspective on it. Biologically, we are created to not like change. Our brains are built to seek comfort. We like predictability. Autopilot is great. Those tasks that we don't have to think about. And we like the sort of expected patterns. And this was created within our brain, our sort of primitive original brain, as a way to keep us safe. And while we're not being pursued anymore by woolly mammoths, anytime some new idea comes, an idea of change it triggers that fight or flight within us. And that's oftentimes where I think if you hear new ideas being presented to you, you'll hear that internal voice going, no. And we have to really, I think, be aware of that internal voice to know that that's not necessarily our true response, but it's our brain going, oh, this is different. This is unsettling. I feel uncomfortable. Yet we know that if we stay in our comfort zone, change doesn't happen. And in order to affect change and to really keep companies staying current, we have to change. And that requires moving out of that comfort zone and towards a zone of growth. And so I think the first thing to do is really listen out for that naysayer in our head, that no voice, and then to really kind of look internally as to why are we afraid of the change. For some people, it's failure. And I think that that's an opportunity then to take on a more of an innovation mindset to really use it as an opportunity to experiment, to learn, to iterate, and to give yourself the grace that you're not going to get it right the first time. Unfortunately, the bottom line of a company is impacted, obviously, by can you get it right the first time. But we do come out of an education system that has taught us we're supposed to get the right answer the first time. So I think if we can shift to an innovation mindset that can help with failure. And when it comes to change itself, I think it's really that fear of change or taking that first step. It's about having that plan, knowing sort of what are the incremental steps you need to take and taking it at a pace that makes sense for both you and for the company. Lauren, I want to come back to that point of failure in a second, but you made an interesting point about understanding why you're scared of the change. So sort of that internal introspection. What's a technique that you could share with our listeners that helps them actually do that? Well, I think a way to get at it is to really understand the the why of why you want to change and then to understand really what's motivating that desire for change. Uh, I think it'll uncover your true motivation 
And a way to do that is, is a, an exercise called the five whys. You get to channel your inner four-year-old and ask yourself why five times because you really are, are peeling back the, the layers of the onion. And so you can also do that same five whys to get motivation. You can also do it as to really what's challenging you, what's stopping you. So it, when it, when you're working towards motivation, it might be, I'll just give a, a simple example that we've all had at some point, I, I want to live a healthier life. And so you would start with that statement and you would then ask yourself, well, why do you want to live a healthier life? And the answer would be because I want to live longer for my children, maybe. Why do I want to live longer for my children? Because. And you just peel those layers back. When it comes to what's stopping you and what's that fear, you would do the same thing. You know, it feels uncomfortable. Well, why does it feel uncomfortable? Because I'm afraid X, Y, Z. And I think if you could peel the layers back on both the positive and the side that's a little scary, you could get a lot deeper. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing. It's always useful to have tips, tips and techniques in our back pocket. Absolutely. Thinking about that fear of failure is something else you measured, but with progress and change, there's always that risk. And especially leaders who are in a position where they need to make decisions about what they're going to do as they move through that change. How do leaders take the first step when they might be afraid they'll get it wrong? I think you take the smallest step you can and you do it in a way where you know you're going to be successful. The more we can provide wins for ourselves on the small incremental steps, the more A, the people around you will trust what's happening, but you yourself will trust yourself. So anytime there's change that's afoot, I wouldn't say run out, do the scariest, biggest thing first. There's a few leaders out there that might, but really I think for the comfort of yourself and for the people around you, it's how can you take those incremental smaller steps and get the wins. I think though, it's always about keeping the human at the center. So if that change is impacting your people, then I think you need to be transparent with them to a degree as much as you can as to what's happening to have that innovation approach of we're not going to get it right the first time. And co-creation, I think, is a really important one. And it's a large part of what I do in my daytime job is to really bring the right people together in the room and to let them help you as a leader form what that way forward is. Because you immediately have alignment on where you're going and you have a support system and people on board who are going to help make it happen. I, I think oftentimes as leaders, we try to do things on our own and we've got to learn to take people along with us and to be open enough to let them know where we're headed and help, let them help be a part of that journey. Yeah, a lot in there to think about, Lauren, and I'm sure we're going to come back to some of those points that you've mentioned. But right now, let, let's think for a moment about some of the references we hear about leadership being a lonely place, particularly a CEO role, and that it's wise to have a great support system. So I've actually got two parts to this question. So first of all, in that context of loneliness, how do you overcome that by having a good support system? And in addition, how do you make sure as a leader, you don't have a support system made up of people entirely like you or only ever saying yes to you. I think that support system, well, first of all, I agree. It can be a lonely place. While I just talked about transparency, I do think it has to be within reason. Your people don't need to know everything that's going on because you certainly don't want to scare them sometimes with what's being talked about. So there's what degree of transparency is good for everyone. 
but it can be a lonely place because of that, because you can't necessarily tell everything that's going on to, to your immediate people around you. And so you do have to create that support system outside of your work environment. I just saw a video this, this past week from Simon Sinek, who was talking about having his support system and the agreement was you, you never cry alone and you never rent alone. So if at any point you need to, you call someone in the group and you have at least someone who's there to, to listen to you. I think forming that of people who are in similar situations is good on one hand to have other C-suite people within your group that you can reach out to because at least they have a, a common understanding. But then I also think it's important to have those people in your life that have known you all along. They can also help ground you in who you are as a person. We've seen sort of the history of what's happened over the years as your career has changed. And if you don't have that support system, I think it's imperative that you build it and you build it of, of that mix of people that know you that are in similar positions. And then hopefully some people that you find can be mentors or aspirational in terms of where they've gotten to in their career, because there's that old adage of you're represented by some of the five people you spend the most time with. So make sure you've got people in your life who are also pushing you to be greater and to grow. So building on that, we've all got different stages in our life. And in fact, your business is called What's Next. Do you need different support systems for different parts of your life? And have you deliberately created that support system in a way that gives you the best support you can. I think you need to have a mix of those who change over time that help you keep pace with the growth within your life and help you push to the next level. And I think you need the others that keep you grounded and remind you of where you've been so that you again have that consistency. But I think yes, it absolutely changes and it changes depending on what you're trying to accomplish. If you have a really new idea, I think you need to be very circumspect about who you share that with. What you don't want to happen is to share it with the wrong people who, who shoot down ideas before you ever get them off the ground. So depending on what you're trying to achieve, I think you need to be aware of who those people are around you at the time so that you have the right support and so that you're offering them the right support as well. It's a two-way street. I like to talk to people about, especially when you've got those new innovative ideas, things you want to try out, sharing them with the wrong people can certainly be disastrous. And so you want to make sure you've got people who can rally around it. You can be your cheerleaders because getting anything new off the ground is difficult enough as it is to have the naysayers with a new group who are cutting that down is, is certainly not going to help you. I've certainly heard like Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx, talk about that. She knew that the idea of cutting the feet off of your patios sounded like a strange idea. And so she was very careful about who she told that to until she could do a proof of concept. And then she could share it more with those around her. I also like some of the things that she's been talking about recently, Sarah Blakely, with regards to how we emerge from some of the difficult times in our life, from some dark places to find real pockets of light and change and transformation. And it does go very much in line with what you're about, using that creativity, finding that light to actually move us on from the shade. So yeah, very nice transition. Not intentional, that segue. I'd like to move us to one of the next questions. And this is a question we ask all of our guests. It relates to our business defy expectations. And we're a little bit maverick in as much that we like to be the individuals that seek forgiveness afterwards and just do the thing. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's what's sort of given us our edge and, and grit to talk about in life. 
And what we'd like to ask you about is a pearl of wisdom, but a pearl of defiant wisdom that you would pass on to others who are aspiring to be leaders, thinking about it. It's not always about being the most obedient, but it's about being a little bit defiant in the right and respectful way. So your pearl of wisdom in that way. I think something that has always stood me well is to say yes when the opportunities come, even when they scare you, and then to very quickly figure out how you're going to pull it off. But I think it's having the, the confidence within yourself, within your skills, within your support system to look like a duck, calm on the surface, frantic under the water, but believing that you can make it happen. Because more often than not, I think you can pull it off if you have the confidence to say yes to things. So instead of saying no, say yes. I think you're speaking to a load of quackers here because we do that <laughs> quite a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, I've become a very good duck throughout my career. Thank you for sharing your insights, Lauren. It's been really interesting to hear your process of helping people overcome that fear. And thank you for that pragmatic tip on the five whys, both positive and negative. Because I think sometimes it's so easy just to focus on those positives and the finding mm -hmm. that motivation. But actually, unless we actually look and uncover that negative as well and understand that fear, it's going to carry on holding us back. So thank you very much for sharing all of your insights. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Lauren. There was lots that was very thought-provoking. And I said earlier that you might even come back to it. There was just one point that I really wanted to reflect on that made me think, and it was this move to more of an innovation mindset that you spoke about, which I really loved. But I also think there's a challenge in that. I've spent time with startup businesses, scale-ups, and mentor to those business maturity levels. And one thing I do notice is that, particularly from a leadership level, there is this, and rightly so, digital businesses are rooted in data, but there isn't that ability to also challenge the data and think beyond the data and what it ultimately does, if you're only ever data-driven, you crush your own creativity and ability to be innovative and think beyond it. So I think we could talk more, but I'll just cap it off and leave it there. But I was really happy to hear you talk about that because I think it's having the courage to ground ourselves in data, but challenge it, have equally great insights so that you can be innovative and allow your creativity to build that confidence and look beyond it. Don't make data the crutch. So it really resonated with me. Thank you, Lauren. Oh, yeah, absolutely. At, at the heart of it, I think business is an art and a science. I think we can't lose sight of that fact. Absolutely. Very much. I found myself saying that on a number of occasions. <laughs> so if you've been as inspired as we have been and had those thought-provoking moments with our amazing guest, Lauren, please check back in as we'll be running these sessions regularly. And we cover every aspect of the skills and competencies that leaders need to continuously develop and evolve to really thrive. Do look at our website, defyexpectations.co.uk, and remember to follow us to get notified of our next episode. Thank you.